Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. been really blessed um, with just encouraging myself uh, to the fact that God wants his church alive. And um, I, I really want to do a little short teaching on who the Holy Spirit is. And, and it's not just a, a, a mystical force or an impersonal force, but the Holy Spirit is a person and, and he's trying to get your attention all the days, uh, even in your early morning and uh, Monday morning, and, and I, I, I want to introduce the Holy Spirit to you again. Is that all right? Are you up for that? Just give me, just, just give me a hand sign like that. You're, you're into that? Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. And, and then I want to help you understand that when you got saved, it's not business as usual. That, that now you are caught up in all that God is trying to do. Um, meaning this, that if you are saved... By not too much time after that, by not too much, uh, it shouldn't be too much longer uh, where you realize, oh my God, there's a massive movement on the planet. There's a lot of excitable people on the planet getting very excited for bringing heaven down. And and you can go on to um, the God TV, I subscribe to the God channels and I watch them a lot and that encourages me, and I get the news, and I get the latest teaching, and I get the old stuff too. I've even been watching Jimmy Swaggart. Help me with this. Why is Jimmy Swaggart more anointed than some of the current, the ones that didn't fall? Didn't know. Oh, okay. So Jimmy Swaggart, old-time evangelist. Unfortunately, he fell. And, and oh, Older guy now. But he is still anointed. So you can't throw David out of the Bible because he slipped up with Bathsheba and God forgives people, amen? And, and, and help me, uh, some of them are really squeaky clean ministers, but for me, just no anointing, good information. And then I'm listening to old Jimmy Swaggart there and I'm going, oh my God, he's still got the anointing, that guy. But he, he had a big, huge speed bump in his life and we don't want to talk about that. But um, see, it's the anointing. It's the anointing. It's the anointing. It's not the cleverness of the flesh. It's the anointing. I want to talk about that tonight. The main player of the Holy Spirit, the main player of the church is the Holy Spirit. Paul says that, the Apostle Paul. The main player in the church, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. It's a person that has will, emotions, and feelings. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit by ignoring Him. The Holy Spirit is vying for your attention, I believe, constantly almost, helping you in situations of life, deferring you to Jesus ultimately. Is someone hearing me tonight? Leading you to the Word of God. The Word is Jesus leading you to passages in the Bible, stories in the Bible, leading you to wisdom that you need 
to be able to, to, be able to work out your choices in life. It's the Holy Spirit. That's what this movement is across the world. Um, okay, so four major movements on, on the planet of, of the Christian uh, faith. The Greek Orthodox. The Greek Orthodox is number one. Let's say that's number one. And then there's the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church. The third one is the Evangelical Church. It's the Word, the Word, the Word, no, no Holy Spirit. Hardly any Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit's there, but it is not an active player. We, we, some, we, they, they would dumb that, dumb that down. Thanks, Julie. They would dumb that down a little bit. Because it's very subjective what the Holy Spirit would say and do and how you experience the Holy Spirit. It's all very subjective. We've got to go to the Word, the Word of God. It's true. We've got to go to the Word of God. So what did I say? Greek Orthodox, the Catholic Church, the Evangelical Church, the Word, the Word, the Word. And then we have the Pentecostal Church, the Spirit-filled Church, the church that's growing worldwide, moving across the planet, Signs and wonders, highly motivating people to pray. You can tell the Holy Spirit's in your life. You will get excited to pray. You will want to pray. A world event will come on TV. You will want to pray about it. You will want to come to me and say, hey, can we pray about that? Yeah, we can pray about that, sure. You want to pray. That, that's when you know the Holy Spirit's in your life. The other thing, the other um, uh, I guess, sign that you know the Holy Spirit's in your life. You want to be more like Jesus. You want to be more like Him. Amen? Yes. You, you want to be more respectful, and you want to be more of a witness, and you want to be more of a representative, an ambassador for Jesus. You want your countenance to be right, you want, you want to be doing good in the community, and you want your reputation to be good in the community. You want your character to be good so that people can say, I live next door to that person. Oh, I was wondering why they were so nice and why they're so generous and why they offered to bring my garbage bin in and they even offered to look after my pet when I went on. Oh, they're a Christian. Is that what it is? See, faith without deeds is dead. The other thing that you know when the Holy Spirit's in your life, that, that you are a, an eschatological person. Uh, eschatology is the theology about uh, end time events. Death and the judgment of God upon the human race. The end time events of Jesus coming. Who's interested in that stuff, Jesus coming? The second coming, we call it. We were caught up in that massively in the 80s. Jesus is coming, man. Get right. Forget the superannuation. You don't need it. He's coming now. <laughs> Some guy told him to, to, uh, to me when I was driving him to work, oh, I don't have superannuation. Why not? Jesus is coming. Any day. Whoa, okay. That's <laughs> radical. Eschatological people are caught up with what God's doing now and saying now. And they're a bit wired. They're a little bit... They're, they're worried about people, where they're, where they're bound. 
heaven or hell. They're worried about end time events. What's God doing? How's he flowing? What are we singing about? There's a cloud. That's excitable. Do you get excited about that? Elijah, Elijah says to the servants, seven times at last, I see a cloud. Oh my God, that's what happened to us in 93. We were just this lovely little family. Go, I was the pram pusher. I wasn't a public speaker, man. I was shy. I was like Doug Saunders on steroids. I was just like, <laughs> I, I was just pushing the pram. Julie was the, the, she was the public speaker. She had the dance school and used to evangelize through the dance school. But boom, the Holy Spirit came to my life in 93. And I become wired, rewired, wired for sound, wired for eschatological events. Jesus is returning. The Holy Spirit is actively blessing the planet. Whoa, that's excitable stuff. Whoa, can, can we have a hand in that? Can we help that along? Can we become like conduit of God's blessing to bring revival? Yes, through ordinary people like you and I, we can. The Spirit is the essential player in the believers experiencing and living out the salvation that God has brought about in Christ. Just that. <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit to work out, to get the full expression of your salvation, you need the Holy Spirit. You're going to pull up way short. You're going to be weighed, measured, and wanting big time if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to draw all the destiny, the purpose, and the calling, and all the God flavors, and all that you are out of you to turn you inside and out like he did for me, turn me inside and out from an introvert to be an extrovert. <laughs> I don't want to be an extrovert. You mightn't have to be, but you might have to do something and change something to be more of an expression for Jesus. Amen? We certainly all don't need to be preachers. But we certainly have to change and morph and be transformed. We, we've, got to, we've got to be a party to that. We've got to allow God to change us. We've got to lose some of that flesh. We've got to lose some of those dispositions that the world's given to us. Less prickly. More hospitable, more friendly, more winsome. We've we, we got to allow God to reinvent us. Pop stars do it all the time. Was boy George like his father? I do not think so. Was David Bowie like his father? I do not think so. Pop stars do it, but God wants us to do it. In terms of being spirit, Jesus knew that without the Holy Spirit, we could not walk in the reality of the kingdom of God. You need the Holy Spirit. You must be clothed with power. You must be endured with power to be able to transcend all these difficulties that you have in life, to be that expression that God wants you to be. It's the Holy Spirit. 
that makes all the difference. Say amen. amen. The Spirit both forms the church into God's new eschatological people, conforms them into Christ's image through his fruit, through his fruit in their lives, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, and the gifts, the gifts that you have, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and allows you to worship and edify God, but to encourage each other. Oh my God, just one statement. If you're struggling to worship, if you're struggling when a 20 unsaved people come in, and now you are under serious threat of worshiping your God. You need the Holy Spirit. If, if 20 unchurched people come in here and change the culture, this church needs more Holy Spirit. We need to draw a line in the sand and not change the culture of a faith-filled church that has the atmosphere to change lives, to bless lives. If we let the world come in and it changes us and dumbs us down, that's not a good day. We've got to hold the line. You've got to hold your line, worship, worship people. Hold your line. I don't care who comes through those doors. Hold your line. Keep your countenance of faith. And let's see what God can do. Amen? And to be able to encourage each other, we need the Holy Spirit. Psalm 110, verse 3. This is, I'm actually reading the very end of my sermon, but your people shall be volunteers. Can we have that one? Psalm 110, verse 3. I love this scripture, and I just grabbed it just before we came to worship tonight. Psalm 110, verse 3 says, Your people shall be volunteers. In the day of power, in the beauty of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. People will volunteer themselves in the day of power to be this extraordinary, this extraordinary proposition from God to be the church. To be able to love people, the unlovable, people will volunteer themselves to do that, to serve them. People will volunteer themselves in the day of power. This is what I believe. When you don't feel the power, you don't want to come to church. When you don't feel the power, you don't want to give. When you don't feel the power, you don't want to worship. When you don't feel the power, you don't want to love anyone. But your people, Bill, it says, will, will volunteer themselves in the day of power. But it's not all up to me to get you to that power source. You've got to come in here plugged in already. You can't treat this place like, oh, finally, there's that 20, the 240 volt plug. You've got to have your own battery charger. You've got to have your own dynamo of your own spirit in operating in God and flourishing in God and communicating in God, communing with God. You've got to have your own. Who loves, you know, those cordless drills? 
they're on their last leg and they last for about five minutes and <laughs> charge it up, charge it up. Now you can get 18 volt. In my day, an 18 volt cordless drill, that was like, wow. Now you can get 24 volt. Help me guys, what, you know, it's, and, 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 and they last for a day. We're screwing down the floor in the kids' church with three of them. Through steel. Wow. You could never do that with, with those, old, those old cordless. Last, you know, 15 minutes. You've got to get an upgrade, guys. You've got to get an upgrade. You've got to get the power source happening in your life. Your people shall volunteer. After two days, Isaiah 6.2 says, after two days... Will he revive us? In the third day, he will raise us up. We shall live in his sight. <laughs> we shall live in his sight. I'm sure some people stand in church, they don't even realize that God's smiling on them. God's going, and they're going. And God's going, even the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, it's theologically true, that the Holy Spirit is a person that has a will, feelings, and emotions. And the Holy Spirit is not just an impersonal force, a mystic, a mystic inspirational force. The Holy Spirit's there, just, just trying to befriend you, going, hey, can we hang out? Hey, hi. Yeah. Hey, and you're just going. You know, come on. Know this to be true. God is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit is spirit. It's here right now. You can, you can have the Holy Spirit sitting next to you. You can have the person of the Holy Spirit sitting right next to you. Who is the Holy Spirit? Glad you asked. Let me just say, say this. I think I've got enough time to say, what's a disciple? We've got this D group happening and we're teaching our D group. We've selected a whole bunch of people out of the church that we believe that want a deeper, a deeper journey in God. And we, we come out every month, every Sunday night like this and we're, we're traveling with those people and they're learning the word. And there's seven characteristics about... A, a disciple, and it goes, and we should be disciples. Number one, obedience to the word of God. They hear and obey the word of God. You, you just want to. It's your inclination. Two, it's a commitment, a surrendered life as a disciple. By the, by the way, disciple is mentioned 269 times in the Gospels and the book of Acts. Disciple, that's who we're supposed to be. Three, a fruit-bearing relationship with Jesus. When a tree is full of sap, it produces fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering. That's the fruit that you need to be, to be bearing in your life. Four, unconditional love for others, like an agape love, unconditional. You don't care how they look, how they smell, what they look like, you don't care. In fact, I see it like this. Sometimes, from a distance, you don't think too much about that, or you don't even want to know about that person. But why is it that when you get closer to that person, this is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and God's in you, and on you, and around you. Why is it that when you allow yourself, by living a surrendered life, you come closer to that person, all of a sudden, 
you get this agape love. You get this unconditional love for this person. And, and, and then you want to dignify them. You want to hear their story. You want to help them. You want to encourage them. What is that? I, I can only imagine that it is God in us. It is Christ reaching out through us, through us, to bless them. That's what it means to live a surrendered life when you allow Jesus to be that expression in your life. Five, fulfilling the Great Commission. We should be excited about singing these songs about the cloud, knowing that the Holy Spirit is moving, and we get excited about souls being saved. Six, sent out in God's authority. John 20, 21, Matthew 10, 1 to 8, and 28 to verse 18, Acts 3, 12, 16. We could talk about those scriptures, and they talk about the authority that we have to stand in our Christian life. And defend our countenance. When someone gives us some rubbishy attitude, when someone mocks us or abuses us, we should be able to hold the line and continue our countenance of faith, hope, and love. Is that true? It can be done in the Holy Spirit. You can hold the line. Not shrink back. Don't throw away your confidence, the Bible says. Seven, a disciple knows his God, intimately acquainted with him. That's what a disciple is. This is what they said about the early disciples, Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Ephesians 4.1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Who's received a calling tonight? Who's received a calling in their life to be a Christian? To stand tall, to stand strong in God? Yes, you have. Matthew 5.14, in the message. Matthew 5.14. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. Don't you love this? If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit energizes you. The Holy Spirit energizes you. That, that's the best way I can explain it. It energizes you to live like this. He promised his disciples that they would be endured, clothed with power in Luke 24, 49. He also promised in Acts 1, 8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Guys, we need that power. You can't say, oh, I don't need that power. I don't, I don't need it. I'm not a preacher. I'm, I'm not one who has to. You need power to live just a Christian life. 
You need power to be able to stand and keep standing and be who you are in God and to fulfill your calling. I love this scripture, Psalm 51 verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Take out the clutter, basically. Take out the clutter. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Oh, that's my prayer. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. So generous. I love this other version in the message in 51 verse 12. Psalm 51 verse 12. Bring me back from the gray exile. And put a fresh wind in my sails. Gives us power to be hopeful thinkers. Gives us power to overcome our emotionalism. Our emotionalism that runs us ragged sometimes. He gives us health, spiritual health, physical health. He gives us a resiliency and he gives us power to be able to run the race for him. Amen? You need this power. The Holy Spirit, he guides you, he initiates action, he leads you into these places of opportunity for God. I love it. I love it. How can you know that the Holy Spirit and his divine influence is in, in your life? Hmm. Yeah. Did I, did I say the Holy Spirit is a person? It's actually a person. The Holy Spirit has a mind, will, and feelings. You need to introduce yourself to the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. It's not a vague experience, it's not a mystical experience, it's not a vague, he's a person. And so wants to comfort you, counsel you, and be your friend. The Holy Spirit thinks and knows 1 Corinthians 2.10. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30. The Spirit intercedes for us. Very active around our life. Romans 8.26-27. He makes decisions according to His will. 1 Corinthians 12.7-11. The Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. As God, the Holy Spirit can truly function as the comforter and the counselor that Jesus promised he would be. The Spirit, as an experienced and empowering reality, was, was for Paul and his churches the key player in all of his Christian life, beginning to end. The Spirit covered the whole range, powerful life, growth, fruit, gifts, prayer, witness, and everything else that there was. That's why he prayed, in Ephesians 3:14 to 17 paraphrase for this reason I kneel before the father I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith it is possible to be a believer without the fullness of the holy spirit but it is impossible to live the great adventure of the Christian life without the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that? 
It is possible to be a Christian without the fullness of God's Spirit in your life. But I will say this, it is impossible to live the grand adventure of being on the cutting edge of what God's doing now in and around your world, in your community, at your workplace, in your church. You won't grab it. When we say, guys, we're doing this, I don't see that. I can't engage in that. I'm not going to volunteer myself. I don't feel the power. You need the Holy Spirit to belong to a church certainly like this that is doing crazy stuff for God. Jesus knew it would be impossible to live the kingdom lifestyle without the power of the Holy Spirit. So true. What does it do for us? It gives us intellectual power, wisdom, and knowledge. Gives us spiritual power, great faith, able to do impossible things, even miracles, emotional power, to be able to have a deep love for one another and the world around us, physical power. They would have strength and endurance beyond their human potential, empowered to be a witness. Acts 1a, and you receive power to be my witness. That is one of the key fundamental reasons for you receiving the Holy Spirit. If you don't want to be a witness for God, just don't allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, bless you, baptize you. Say, I don't want that. I don't want to be an expression. I don't want to be an ambassador. I don't want to be a peculiar people. I just want to be normal. I want to fit into this world without being without being a witness, without being some sort of expression for God. I don't want the Holy Spirit. But if you want to be a witness and you'll receive power to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, God's going to get through you somehow. God's going to get past your personality. God's going to get through your giftedness or through your fruit in your life to bless a life, to touch a life, to minister to a life, it will happen, no doubt. When you're full of sap, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you will produce fruit, and God will have his way with you. Who's into that? Who would like to pray for sick people? Who would like to go to someone in a, in a hospital and pray for them if they were sick? Need to be filled with the Spirit. Who wants to pray and their prayers matter? You need to be filled with the Spirit. Who wants to be able to smile and people see Jesus in their eyes? You need to be filled with the Spirit. John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, and He hears us, we will receive it. And if we know that He hears us and we pray anything, we know that we will receive that that which we ask for. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.